Happy Thursday. Good to have you. Um, you know, in this business, the radio or, or media business as a, as a whole, I suppose, there's a lot of cross-pollination, um, especially when you're in market. When you're in the same market, there are often times when one day you'll be on one station and not long later you could be on another station. Um, and there's a lot of, I mean, we, we know a lot of people in this business because we, chances are we've worked with, with others. And back in the nineties, Ken Calvert hosted a show here on WJR for a couple of years in about this same time slot, as a matter of fact. And, um, and unfortunately we've lost Ken at the age of 72 due to health complications. Um, and obviously he worked at, at a few other stations and had an incredible amount of success here in Detroit. Um, and, and, and in this business, some people, you, you know, when, when people are just head and shoulders above everyone else in terms of their talent. And the casual one was just that he could do news talk. He could DJ. Um, he could do it all. And as a matter of fact, I got to intern for Ken Calvert at another radio station when I was starting my career. And and look, um, when you're an intern in radio, TV, whatever, it can go one of two ways. Uh, the host or the DJ, the talent can be incredibly kind. They can be understanding that you're you're a young pup and you want to get into this business and and they'll kind of take you under their wing and 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 they'll kind of show you the ropes or they can be cold they can be closed off they can have a sense of entitlement they don't really want to teach or guide you they just want to make sure you know how they like their coffee Ken Calvert was the former he was a wonderful man an incredible talent and I was thankful enough and I'm lucky enough to have had a front row view of a, of a true master at work. Um, and, and he will, his impact will be felt in this town forever. I mean, forever. Um, so it's sad uh, that we, we lose Ken Calvert. Brian, you, you worked with him while he was here, didn't you? I did. I worked, ran his board for quite a while while he, uh, when he worked here. One of, if not the nicest guy I'm, in this business. And that's hard. I mean, look, there's a lot of egos and there's a lot oh, yeah. of personality and it, look, it can get, it can get, it can get away from people sometimes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And very easily for the amount of success that he had both, you know, I mean, look, radio, do you generate revenue? You want to bring money into the station. Also, you want people to listen, you want ratings, you want people to, to, yep. to be in this with you. And he was able to do all of that. He was friends with Bob Seeger for Christ's sake. Oh yeah. When he, I mean, when he came in, I had been here for a while. He came in in 96. I had been here since 89. And a lot of the old guys here were like, uh, here comes the FM DJ. Uh, what will he be able to do? And watching watching him work was amazing. He was a consummate professional. Yeah. And that voice, I'd, I'd pay money to have his voice. Yeah, it's 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 unmistakable. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 the envy of many. Yeah, still a nice guy, still easy to get along with. Yeah. Wanted to, you know, he was... Like I said, they went to, it was while we were owned by Disney. Yeah. 
and he they went to uh, a remote in Disney World. He and the producer, well, I'm the board op. I stay here. That's how we work things here. And he was not happy that I wasn't going with them because I was part of his team. Mm-hmm. You need, why aren't you going? Like, we don't work it that way, and they don't pay me to go. Somebody has to run the show. And he insisted he bring back something. I'll bring you back something. I said, you don't need to bring me back anything from Disney World. Kid. Right. I'm, I'm a grown man. I don't, I'm, I'll be fine. But he insisted, and he came back, and I still have it. It's a Mickey Mouse back scratcher. <laughs> Why he chose that, I'll never know. And, and I still have it. It's in my nightstand, and I use it all the time. And every time I pick awesome. it up, I think of Ken Calvert. It's, it's, he's a great guy. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and it's, it's uh, our loss that, that he's gone um, because he just continued to be uh, one of the best people in this business. So it's a real shame. Uh, Ken Calvert gone at the age of 72. Um, a couple of other things just wanted to to point out today. Some big news. Former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy just days after a jury down in Georgia decided he must pay more than $148 million in damages to two former Georgia election workers that he defamed by falsely accusing them of helping to rig the 2020 election. Uh, Giuliani filed a petition in U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York. And in the filing, Giuliani said he had between $100 and $500 million in liabilities and just $1 million to $10 million in assets. He also listed the IRS and the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance among his creditors uh, as well. Also, new analysis by U.S. intelligence agencies say that Hamas's credibility and influence has grown dramatically in the two months since the October 7th terrorist attack in Israel. And while Israel's carried out their air campaign to eliminate Hamas, the terrorist group has been able to cast itself as the lone armed group fighting back against a brutal oppressor. And this, I think, is I think it has a lot to do with some of the protests that we're seeing around the country, specifically on college campuses, specifically in places like Washington, D.C., in front of the the Democrat, the, 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 the DNC uh, headquarters. And and social media obviously plays an, uh, a, a huge role here, too. The fact that there is an element of support. And look, when, when we had our professors from Wayne State on the other day, uh, which if you haven't heard, you got to take a listen to it, thegreatvoice.com. Um, one of the sentiments is in times of conflict, um, there is a rallying around your government or people who are making decisions. And while Benjamin Netanyahu may not be the most popular person in Israel, there is an element of rallying around him. And the same goes for Gaza. While not all Palestinians support Gaza, while they're being bombarded, they are, there is a certain rallying towards Hamas, uh, which is a, a very interesting point. Uh, meanwhile, in the case of Donald Trump, my question continues to be, Donald Trump hasn't been convicted of, of an insurrection. Donald Trump was speaking from a podium the day of January 6th, but a Colorado Supreme Court ruled that Donald Trump cannot be on the GOP primary ballot on March 5th because he participated in insurrection, citing the 14th Amendment, Section 3. Is it applicable? Because Donald Trump hasn't been convicted of a crime does this play? We'll talk about it next on JR Afternoon. I do love a good nylon string guitar. 
I play guitar. I, I, uh, I, uh, it's actually how I learned on a nylon string guitar. It just sounds just marvelous. Beautiful. Um, I made the analogy yesterday after we learned that the Colorado Supreme Court was going to, to, to remove Donald Trump's name from the ballot in their decision. It's like me being outside Comerica Park for a concert and saying I was there. I participated. I was amongst the concert crowd. Yeah, not really. I'm outside the gates. I may be able to hear the music, but I ain't a part of the show. And it's a little bit how I feel about about this situation with Donald Trump. This 14th Amendment, Section 3, has not been used in this way. It was enacted post-Civil War. So to, to say that Donald Trump is an insurrectionist as a, as a means and a vehicle to remove his name from a ballot, I, I'm not so sure that that jives. Again, I ain't a lawyer, I ain't a judge. But from what I can tell, it doesn't equate. But does that matter? Does Donald Trump actually need to be charged with a crime in order for that 14th Amendment to kick in. We bring in Adam Carrington. He's the associate professor of politics at the Van Andel Graduate School of Statesmanship at Hillsdale College, and he joins us. Uh, Adam, always good to talk with you. Good to talk with you, too. Thanks for having me on. This is a question, um, and unfortunately, yesterday we, we were jam-packed. We didn't really get to process this, but is this this is something that our listeners were talking about and, and people uh, all over, we're, we're asking, is Donald Trump an insurrectionist? He has not been charged with a crime. It is. It, it almost seems subjective to be able to say, well, he's this, and therefore we can use this part of our Constitution. Does he actually need to be charged with a crime, charged as an insurrectionist, in order for this to kick in? I would say yes, and I think by focusing on that, that's the... I think fundamental point that even if you disagree on a lot of other things, even people who disagree about what went on on January 6th or whether Donald Trump should have done what he did during the 2020 election, like even if you set all of that aside, and I know those those are uh, argued about points too, if you're going to disqualify someone based on the text of the 14th Amendment, you have to first decide in a in a process where he has a chance to defend himself, a due process. Did he actually commit the infractions that the 14th Amendment sees? And what the Colorado court did is in deciding the question before them, could he be on the ballot? They basically conducted a trial without full process on that other question. And I think that's why I would be stunned if you don't have an eight to one or nine nothing rejection by the Supreme Court of the United States on this. Why does this particular amendment, because, again, to me, it feels kind of vague. And because it's never been utilized, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions surrounding this particular amendment. Why? Why does does this particular amendment, the 14th Amendment, uh, particularly Section three, why does it why does it bring up so many questions surrounding this case? I think first, as you said, historically, it's just not been regularly used. We, we, we fight 
every few months about free speech and what free speech means. And even though people disagree with it, it means we're used to talking about what its words mean, about what cases mean related to it. And as you said, we haven't really had anything about this since the Civil War era. It was written in response to what do we do with the ex-Confederates mm -hmm. after the Civil War. And therefore, we haven't had a chance to even think or talk through whether those terms mean anything after the Civil War generation ended and died, and what those particular words now mean 150 years later to a situation also that very rarely happens. Thankfully, real insurrection, real rebellion is a very rare uh, circumstance for us. So we just, uh, in them bringing it out, they're bringing out something that we just haven't had to deal with, thankfully. And therefore, I think that's why there's, it's able to also be used by people who might want to abuse the system because people don't have the experience of, of working through this language. So so the Trump camp is going to appeal this, certainly, and, and it seems destined for the Supreme Court. And even if they take that case up, uh, as long as they agree to it, Donald Trump's name will appear on the ballot. Whether or not they are they move swiftly or slowly, Donald Trump's name will appear on that ballot. Now, my question is, in terms of the political poll that 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 could come from this, Donald Trump is really good at what most people would think to be pretty dire situations or pretty, I mean, pretty politically damaging situations, Donald Trump is really good at, at spinning that into gold. Do you feel politically Donald Trump becomes stronger as a result of this? Or do you think um, there are some that would consider voting for him saying, look, if this is the case that's going and he's not going to be on ballots, we can't vote for him? Well, I will say... The, this isn't going to change the outcome in Colorado. He, he was not going to win Colorado absent a landslide of, of like Reagan and 84-esque proportions. But I do think that it certainly greatly strengthens him within the Republican primary, where he was also very already very, very strong, uh, because I think a lot of his appeal has been to say that he is part of a group of Americans who have been uh, picked on, who have been um, uh, uh, bullied around, and that he is standing up against those things. And I think that this will uh, strengthen him a lot. And I th and I think it's because too, you're going to see I think a big repudiation by the Supreme Court, and that's going to play into the idea that this is using the law for politics. And I think uh, you know how how that would might play out in the general election might be a little more up in the air, but. I think if you had to guess that this would be strengthening his hand on the political side. How, how do you think the Democrats uh, spin this again from a political perspective? Um, are they going are they are they going to try to use this against him or is this is this case so flimsy that they're going to stay away? Obviously, you're going to have some Democrats that no matter what, they're going to look for any way to go after Trump. And that, you know, I, I, I so I can't say all of them. Uh, if I were a Democratic advisor, and I'm not, <laughs> just to be clear, I would be telling them the most you could use this is to vaguely reference President Trump, former President Trump's broader legal problems, mm. and maybe vaguely put in people's minds that if a guy's being charged with this many different things, 
then sure. maybe there's something wrong. But I think the focus on this is a losing issue overall. I think that when the facts come out and when it's really debated and litigated, it's really going to look like the accusations have very little leg to stand on. Adam Carrington at Hillsdale College, always appreciate the time. Uh, thank you. Have yourself a wonderful holiday. You too. Merry Christmas, everybody. Yeah, yeah. have a good one. That's Adam Carrington at Hillsdale College. Uh, in the meantime, I'd love to hear from you. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. Uh, we'll get to your calls, your texts coming up next. Also, I've got a question. Um, I've been told that I wrap presents the wrong way. How do you do it? Am I wrong? That's next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. I want to get to your calls. Robert and Roseville kicks us off what's up robert hey doing okay good i do wish somebody would learn how to even though i i fully believe that the 14th amendment never had the requisite number of states to get it into the constitution mm-hmm. because several versions were not the same um if you read it there's a lot of things that it says that people don't understand just because you're born in this country does not make you a natural born citizen it makes you a native born citizen mm-hmm. And the uh, Supreme Court, after the 14th Amendment, actually stated that. But aside from that, it also states in this thing about insurrection that those uh, – it lists the, the officers that can be uh, accused of it and found wanting, but it's a thing that Congress is allowed to take up. It's not, it's not, it's not given to the courts to decide. It is Congress who can act against somebody and say that they can't be on a ballot. No, and, and Robert, this is where I think the confusion lies for a lot of people. And I, and I appreciate the call, but 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 the the ambiguity to it is where people are left shrugging their shoulders and saying, I don't know if this is right or wrong. But the reality is, is I, I think that when you cons- when when you take into effect if somebody engaged in an insurrection or rebellion. After having previously been elected, um, I, I, I'm just I'm not quite putting those puzzle pieces together. And I appreciate the call. Thank you, Robert. Dave's in Rochester. What's up, David? Chris, hey. I hope you're registering my frequent caller points. I don't see them on my on, online uh, status here. Oh, I apologize. We'll make those connections to our system uh, in the new year. Yeah, two quick points. Yeah. As far as the public reaction, this uh, this is not good. The YouGov poll of uh, three thousand uh, about three thousand six hundred voters, mm-hmm. uh, fifty four approving that decision versus thirty five against, with twelve unsure. Uh, so YouGov is not a uh, disreputable company. No, uh, but Dave, I will say, I mean, like I I I would imagine not all of those people are lawyers. Like me, I am also not an attorney. I'm not a judge. So, I mean, it's it's easy to have an opinion on it, but it's right, it's right, the legality right. of it all. Right. Let's stick with that point as okay. far as a lawyer. Okay. It's, it's section three. My God, this is only it takes it takes like a minute mm-hmm. to read. Mm-hmm. It's two sentences. Mm-hmm. It's the one long sentence and a quick point. Yep. There's several things it doesn't say, and there's several things it does. One is garbage that Congress has to adjudicate. It's BS. The second sentence, the short sentence, says it's a, a two-thirds of vote of Congress can get rid of this whole clause in effect for anyone. But it's got nothing to do with a state, local, anyone enforcing this. 
Okay, what Tim Wahlberg said that the other day, I think your caller just estimated that. And as far as the office, it clearly states any office holder under the United States. Mm-hmm. So, so, so this nowhere does it exclude the president. No, it doesn't exclude the president. But what it does do is it it is vague enough to where again, did Donald Trump is Donald Trump's an, uh, an insurrectionist? If your answer is yes, then in your mind, Donald Trump should be disqualified under the 14th Amendment, Section 3. But as the YouGov poll that you pointed out of a bunch of people that I at, I imagine all 3,000 people weren't attorneys, you could add Joy Behar to that list because Joy Behar responded to a Joe Walsh tweet on X who said, take no one uh, uh, who said a take no one will like. Uh, that said an insurrection ban is vague, untested, and likely to be overturned. Uh, Walsh went on to say that if this is your best defense, then it's probably not a very good defense at all. Joy Behar, one of the co-hosts of The View, said Joe in a response on X, the ballot box can't compete with the third-party candidates who will take on votes from Joe Biden. And let's not forget the Electoral College. The law must defeat him. Okay, so I, I, I do just, just want to point out, and Dave, I look, I appreciate the call, but this is a situation where you've got a host of a show on ABC, which, by the way, is run by ABC News. It's under the ABC News umbrella. And Joy Behar is saying that the law needs to remove a candidate. Not you, the voters, make a decision that the law needs to do the dirty work and that she's worried that a third party will only add fuel to Donald Trump's reelection efforts. That's nonsense. Nonsense. And so, again, I go back to the question is if you believe Donald Trump is an insurrectionist, then you believe he should be disqualified. In my mind, Donald Trump It's really hard to prove Donald Trump was an insurrectionist. It's very hard to prove that. The guy wasn't in the Capitol. Again, did I go to a concert if I'm standing outside Comerica Park, but I hear the music? Probably not. But I heard it. I heard it. I was at the show. Uh, Where's your ticket? Oh, it's not there. Got it. Okay. So now I can't tell people that I was at the, the Guns N' Roses show. So it's very hard to disqualify, and that's why I think the U.S. Supreme Court will take this up. His name will be on the ballot, and and he will win that appeal. 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. We'll get back to your calls coming up momentarily. I did want to throw this into the mix because I've, I've, I've taken a little bit of heat on this. Um, I love to wrap presents. I love to wrap gifts for birthdays uh, and certainly for Christmas, especially for my kids. It's great. I've been told that I wrap presents the wrong way. And here's how I wrap presents. I fold the piece of paper over the box and I tape the paper to the box, to the present. Then I fold the other side over and tape the paper to the paper. And then I'll add several more pieces of tape to that seam, fold the the sides up, and then throw probably three pieces of tape, one at the very top and then one on each side. 
And I've been told that is far too much tape and you don't tape to the present. Is that is that a wrong way to rap? Danielle, you, you how where are you at on this? Um, I think I do most of what you do. So I'm confused as to who's telling you that you're doing it wrong. Do you tape to the present? I do tape to the present. Okay. I, however, you said, what'd you say, three pieces of tape at the ends? Uh, yeah, like one oh, at no. the very top and then one on each side to hold the, the sides. I like a taut present. Yeah. I like the wrapping to be nice and tight. So if you fold the paper, uh-huh. it'll be tight with you using less tape. Okay. So if you fold it correctly... It'll be tight enough for only two pieces of tape. So I think I use one less piece. Well, I probably use about four less pieces than you. Okay. Brian, is it wrong? Yes, you don't tape anything to the present. Okay. In my in my opinion. Why? Because that's not how you do it. When you unwrap what it, then the, then the stuff. That's not how you do it. When you unwrap the present, now the wrapping paper is stuck to the present. No, it's, it's not. If you unwrap the present and you're not taping to the present... Now the wrapping paper goes crazy no, and the present not. is just there. No. They don't stick the wrapper to the candy bar. You unwrap the candy bar mm. and it's loose inside. Valid. I mean, that's true, but they also have that little bit where it's holding like this. If I were to wrap a candy bar. Yeah, that's bar, what the tape is for to wrap. You stick the tape. If I were to have a flap to the wrapping. On, on my present, then I that would I think I just lit the fuse. And yeah, now I I'm think you watching. just fired me up. Uh, uh, I'm going to get Danielle is, is Yeah. Is this the way to wrap a present? I've been told no. I've been, I've been, I've been try. I've, I've tried to be corrected, but I just can't change my ways. 800-859-0957. More of your calls, your texts. Also, we'll look at a new book highlighting some of the most historic places in the state of Michigan. It's next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. I want to get right to the phones and then I'll give you an opportunity. <laughs> at least an idea of a really great last minute Christmas gift. Let's go to Will, uh, uh, Wayne's in Williamston. What's up, Wayne? Um. And Trump, how can he be an insurrectionist if he offered federal troops to the Democratic leaders to protect the uh, the place down there? I can't see that, you know, because uh, he offered them, but they rejected his offer. Uh, Yeah, uh, Wayne, I mean, look, again, it's did this guy participate is my question. Did he participate? If he participated, no. then he's an insurrectionist. If he didn't, then he didn't. It, it's it's pretty cut and dry. And to take somebody's name off a ballot, and Wayne, I appreciate the call, to take somebody's name off a ballot, um, you better be darn sure. You better be darn sure you're right. Um, and I, I'm I, again for me, it just doesn't feel it doesn't feel that way. And I'm not a lawyer, I'm not a, a judge. But to me, that just doesn't jive. Bill's in Detroit. What's up, Billy? Chris, listen, I'm being very candid with you. I used to be a liberal supporting Democrat, supporting liberal. Okay. And after what I saw, a a citizen of the United States win an election, a man in business for 40 damn years, vetted in every sense, and all of a sudden he becomes the number one criminal in the United States. I got so discouraged by that because I felt it could happen to me or anybody else. I ran from the Democrat Party. I ran from their ideology. I started realizing how duped we were. I started realizing they're just clever at lying to the people, injuring us, uh, keeping us repressed and oppressed. 
I saw Trump fix this country, and I didn't think it was fixable in under four years. So what I'm hearing today, this Jack Smith guy or this prosecutor fellow, mm-hmm. he's the most dangerous man in America. That's the guy that needs to be investigated. I'm sorry to tell you this. So, B- Bill, when did you jump ship? When did you jump ship? Like about the second year when Trump was in power, I started seeing the statistics of unemployment, uh, companies coming on board, coming back to the United States, uh, foreign countries fearing tariffs. I loved seeing that. I thought that's the way countries worked. But it looks like whoever got bribed in their administration gave our country away. And it happens to seem like they're all Democrats. Now, I don't think Republicans are angels, but if I had to choose between two evils, I would absolutely choose the Republican Party from now on. Yeah, I mean, that's Bill. And and I and I appreciate it. I mean, that's the that was my my next point to you is, you know, I I think I, I I take things at face value. I take things for what they're worth. I I mean, for me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a, I I vote based on, on issues. I vote based on policy. I don't, I don't subscribe to a letter that that's not how I vote. And I don't know that's how people should vote. I don't think you should ever give anybody carte blanche to, to earn your vote once. And it's that way forever. Um, and so I, I think everybody in Congress, I think everybody out politicians do it to a certain extent. I, I believe that. Um, but you, you, you hope to elect people that are doing it the right way. And again, if the policies that you're aligning to now favor a certain side, then that's, that's the side you lean to. I appreciate the call. Thank you. Um, a a really interesting, look, we live in an incredible state, an incredible state. There is so much to do and we have a ton of history here and there is a book out. It's actually in its eighth edition. It's the Historic Michigan Travel Guide. And if you have somebody in your life that maybe you need a last-minute gift for, it's a book, and it's broken down wonderfully by different regions of the state. The, the, the western part of the state, the eastern part of the state, central, northern, UP. And, and basically, it is the, 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 the where's where of any place you need to go in the state of Michigan. Larry Wagner is the author, also the executive director and CEO of the Historical Society of Michigan, and he joins us. Larry, it's great to have you. Thank you for having me on. Glad to be here. Um, so you wrote this book a while ago. Um, how does it hold up today, do you think? Well, it, it's really expanded over the years. Uh, this book actually goes back to 1979. The Historical Society of Michigan published that was a stapled edition back then. <laughs> they did three editions in the 70s and the early 80s, and then it kind of died off. And uh, in 2008, um, when I was director, relatively new director here at the Historic Society of Michigan, I approached the Meyer Company and seen if we could relaunch this because uh, the Historic Michigan Travel Guide really had a place to serve in promoting cultural and heritage tourism. So in 2008, we launched the fourth edition, and just uh, last month, we released the eighth edition, which is it's been about six and a half years since the last edition. COVID kind of threw a monkey wrench in travel and our ability to compile the information. Uh, but this is a much bigger and expanded Historic Michigan Travel Guide, and it touches on nearly 500 historic destinations across the state that you can visit. It's a and, really great guide if you're on the road. And so these these places you've all visited, you've been to all these places. Are you and your team? I, I can't say that I've been to every place, but I've been to many of them. And one of the roles of the Historic Society of Michigan is to survive, uh, serve as kind of the uh, 
uh, the mothership for all these local and and and, and historical organizations mm-hmm. and museums and historic sites. So we compile information naturally on them anyway because it's part of what we do here at HSM. We do a lot of other stuff, but that's one thing we do. So we have the data to put this material together, and I have visited many, many of these. All right, I got about 10 seconds left. Best place in the book, the favorite place in the state. I think, well, one of my favorites is uh, Charlton Park in Hastings. It's kind of an undiscovered historical village gem. And, All right. uh, and you can pick up the travel guide at any Meyer store in Michigan. Any Meyer store? I think it's on Amazon, too. So a perfect yeah. time of year to, to grab it. Maybe a little stocking stuffer action. Uh, Larry Absolutely. Wagner, thank you so much. Appreciate it. And uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, too. All right. We got to take a break. Uh, we'll, we'll make way for Fox News, give you a couple of headlines making news this afternoon. Still a lot to do today here on JR Afternoon. Don't go anywhere. More next. All right. Welcome back. Three o'clock hour. Good to have you. Still a lot to do today. Coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to introduce a new segment on the show. And I met this gentleman through a mutual friend of ours. And we 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 met one night and had great conversations. And I thought, look, this is somebody that I think at this point in time, when everybody is so divided, when there is so much left and right and liberal and conservative it, it it gets to be too much we need we need discussions we need rational discussions and we need people who look at things through the lens of bipartisanship or 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 nonpartisanship and i'll introduce you to this person uh coming up here in just a couple of minutes uh, i do want to get you caught up on a couple of other Things making headlines, though, today, um, uh, Ken Calvert has passed away at the age of 72. And and this is somebody who has, I mean, maybe forever left the mark on on radio in this city. Uh, hosted a show here on WJR and about this this time frame, as a matter of fact. But this is somebody who had so much talent that he could DJ, he could he he was the voice of rock in in this town. He did news talk. I mean, he'd do whatever. When there are just there are just some people that you see that you just go, there's just so much talent. And Ken Calvert was that. Uh, I got to intern for Ken uh, when I was starting my career in this city, and um, he couldn't be a nicer guy. Could not be a nicer guy. He was warm and welcoming and was willing to share some of the insights of the business and things to do, things to not do. Um, and it, it certainly helped me. And, and, and it can be, a, especially when you're just starting out in this business. I mean, it can be, a, you can be jaded because you work with people and they can be, have egos. And, and it can put a cloud over, over the industry. Ken Calvert was, was the best. Um, and I was lucky enough to see him work. And um, Brian, I know you worked with him as well. Uh, just a, a great guy. It's a lot. I mean, 72. It's, geez, I mean, it's a little bit young. I yeah. know. I, I mean, it's look, I, I get it. But I mean, it's you, you feel like in today's day and age, um, people can live for a very long time. Uh, but he's going to be missed in this. In Absolutely. This One of the nicest guys ever in this business. Yeah. Ever. And he was a part of almost like a, a shift change in 
in yes. at least at WJR. Yes, after JP passed. there was And he a, and Mitch came in at the same time, right? Yep, Pretty yep. much. I, I think Mitch was actually his sports guy on WLLZ for a long time. Oh, really? Yeah, and Mitch started oh. working on Sunday nights doing the Sunday sports album. That yep. moved here. And then along, not long after that, Ken moved over here, too. That's unbelievable. And Mitch started doing the Daily Show. No, it's very cool. Um, yes. But so, it, was a, so, it was a big change here at WJR in, I think, 96. Yeah, late 90s yeah. or early to, or mid, mid to late 90s. Um, so it, he's going to be missed. It's unfortunate. Um, but he has inspired a lot of folks in this town, uh, uh, me being one of them. Um, the Michigan Gaming Control Board is encouraging giving gambling gifts this year. Uh, just do it responsibly. Executive Director Henry Williams saying that while the tradition of giving gifts brings joy and excitement to both children and adults, it is essential to consider the impact our gifts can have on their recipients. It is in the spirit of the season that I want to advocate for responsible choices when selecting presents for the younger generation. And we have seen a a shift in the mindset in gaming here, particularly in Michigan, because, look, if you're 18, you can't be in the casinos downtown you got to go to a, to an Indian casino or you wait till you're 21 and you're able to participate. Well, now with this influx in sports betting, it's opened up a whole new avenue for people. Um, and so I, I look at this like giving lottery tickets or giving scratch offs as part of your 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 holiday offerings. Um, I almost feel like it should be treated as any other controlled substance if you're. You know, uh, if you're if you're gift giving cigars or, you know, bottles of alcohol or wine, um, to me, it should be treated as any other addictive substance. And and like any addictive substance um, in moderation is the key. Um, also. At least 15 people were killed in a shooting in Charles University in central Prague today. That's according to Czech police. Twenty five people wounded. The shooter was eliminated, and the country's police chief said officials received tips about the suspect prior to the shooting. Authorities said they were helping students evacuate after they locked themselves in classrooms during the shooting, and some classmates even hid on the ledge of a university building to escape the attack. Um, This is a problem that is happening all over the world. And there are those that say, well, this is only happening in the United States. And while it it may happen more in the United States, there are still evil and sick people all over the, the, the world. And so um, just a, a horrific event coming out of Prague. Also, former New York City Mayor Rudy Giuliani has filed for bankruptcy days after a jury decided that he's got to pay more than $148 million in damages to two former Georgia election workers he defamed by falsely accusing them of helping to rig the 2020 election. Of course, Rudy Giuliani was a former aide to former President Donald Trump. And in his claims of the 2020 election, he filed a petition in the U.S. Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of New York. In that filing, Giuliani said he had between $100 million and $500 million in liabilities and only a million to $10 million in assets. Also, Rudy Giuliani listed the IRS and the New York State Department of Taxation and Finance among his creditors. So he owes uh, lots of folks money. Also, new analysis by U.S. intelligence officials show that Hamas has garnered more credibility and influence around the world following the October 7th terrorist attack, according to CNN. And while Israel's carried out their air campaign to eliminate Hamas, 
The terrorist group has been able to cast itself as the lone armed group fighting back the brutal oppressor, the big bad that is Israel. An official said that the group has successfully petitioned and and positioned itself across some parts of the Arab and Muslim world as well as a defender of the Palestinian cause. And and this is one of the, the, the worries that, for example, Christopher Wray, the head of the FBI, was talking about over the last couple of times he's testified to Congress. And that is that more and more threats are being made. Uh, Anti-Semitism is on the rise. And part of that is the way that people are aligning with this particular war, this particular issue unfolding in, in Gaza, in Israel. And so as Hamas starts to garner attention and even garner sympathy, um, it's very important to remember that the United States classifies Hamas as a terrorist group and Europe classifies Hamas as a terrorist group. And what they did on October 7th were, were things that terrorists do, what they continue to do today by hiding under civilians in hospitals, taking hostages underground in these elaborate tunnel systems. They are they are shielding themselves with the innocence inside the Gaza Strip. That is a terrorist if I've ever seen one. And so all of these things rolled up. It, it, it continues to be a difficult display uh, in the Middle East. I, I'm very excited to introduce you to uh, my new friend and somebody that I think you're going to very much like on this show. We'll do that next on JR Afternoon. So a couple of months ago, uh, a, a mutual friend of ours uh, introduced me to Richard Halpy. And this is somebody who, who, after our conversation and our, and our night spent together, not smoking cigars, uh, I, I came to find out that this is somebody who um, has dabbled in a lot of different areas. And, and we talked about everything from, from, Mass shootings in the United States to health care um, to to child care. I mean, we, we ran the gamut and and somebody who has worked in health care, tech, uh, different types of nonprofits. He's also the host of the Common Bridge podcast with the byline. I, I love it. Fiercely nonpartisan discussion. And that was our conversation that I had with Richard Halpy uh, one night a couple of months ago. Um, and. He joins us in studio, and I said, we gotta, we got to get you in. So, first of all, it's nice to see you, um, and it's, uh, I, I've been looking forward to our discussion. So, thank you for coming in. It's great to see you, and thanks for having me on the show. Um, so, I, we, we had talked a little bit, and I wanted to create this new feature on our show. I think you're going to be a great asset to what we do here, and I think our listeners are really going to want to hear what you have to say. Um, and because you you have so much expertise in so many different areas, we even came up with the name Three at Three with Richard Halpy. It's, <laughs> it's that time simple. for Three at Three with Richard Halpy. All right, so that's our that there's our jingle, and and I I do want to before we get into it, I want it's uh, the premise is you're going to give us three topics, you're going to talk about them, and then we can talk about it. But I want you to explain to me a little bit why you created this podcast. The podcast is called The Common Bridge, and you talk to a whole different type, all kinds of people from different backgrounds, different professions on all different topics. 
why is why did you decide to create this podcast with the idea of being fiercely nonpartisan? Well, because when you take the partisanship and you extend it out to its logical conclusion, uh, we've got disaster. Uh, there's three bad actors out there, Chris. There's uh, the Republican Party, there's the Democratic Party, and there's this established media ecosystem, all of whom just yell at us. Mm-hmm. And, the, and they're trying to say, well, look, if we yell this line at you and that line at you, and we try to get you to be angry, that'll convince you. And one of the most offensive things they say, because they'll yell one of the things and go, that's all you need to know. I'm like, no, I need to know more than that. You need to know a lot more than that. Exactly. So the, the problems that we have in our country and in our world are solvable. Um, we can solve the problems of the day. We can seize the opportunities of the moment um, if we get off of this divisiveness. But um, our political system has just devolved into this thing of throwing rocks at each other. Um, we're not trying to solve problems. And I, here's my proof statement. We've taken the most complex issues that have vexed the country. We bring experts on from various uh, perspectives. We get to a solution. Mm-hmm. Well, we hire people that are supposed to do this for us. They're called uh, senators and congressional representatives and presidents, and they don't do that. Well, and, they'd rather just sit and yip at each other. Right. There's It's what political gain can be made. And the 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 reporting, and I'm holding up the air quotes uh, on it, really isn't reporting. We never get to substance. Yeah. So bringing people on that are deep in their subject matter that can explain to us what's going on and give them the time to talk. As so many have said, they appreciate the chance to be nuanced and give some depth. That's what's driving this show. So we started as a podcast. Mm-hmm. We're now in our fifth season. Um, we do a little bit on YouTube. We went to the Substack platform, kind of watching the censorship that was happening on the other platforms. Um, occasionally we'll put out uh, columns there. And so it's the thecommonbridge.substack.com. Uh, um, and I think we've reached over 4 million downloads. Well, and that and that is a, a uh, the reason I wanted to bring you in, because I think that type of discussion is what we need now more than ever. All right, you got your your, your topics. All right, I want to get right into it. What? Real quick. Oh, I got. Well, you got to understand. Got- my my brand promises that there is something for everyone not to like in every episode. <laughs> if you're looking for affirmation uh, and talking points, you're not going to like this at all. All right, fair enough. All right, ready? Hit the button, Danielle. It's time for three at three with Richard Helpy. All right, fire away, Rich. Uh, all right, let me take the first one. Let's talk about firearms and let's talk about violence. Um, we have one side saying nobody should have a gun. It's not necessary. Only the uh, police force, the government needs to have guns. We have other people saying, wait a minute. We think it's perfectly acceptable for an 18-year-old to walk into a gun store uh, by the first time they purchase a gun. And it's the most powerful weapon they can get and it and a thousand rounds of ammunition. I think we can all agree that's crazy. How do we deal with that? There's been attempts. People talk about red flag laws. What's the problem with red flag laws? The person that shouldn't have the firearm already has it. And so we've developed something called the graduated licensing. Just like when you get your first driver's license, you don't get to jump behind the wheel of a semi. 
When you begin flying an airplane, it's not an Airbus that you're flying. If you graduate medical school, guess what? You're not leading a, uh, a neurolog- neuro- neurological case right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. But with a firearm, you can do that. So we're not I'm going to restrict anybody's ability to own any firearm with the proviso they show they can have that. And we've had several people on the show about that, most notably an author, Ryan Busey, uh, who wrote a book called Firefight. We did a two-part series with him. Second topic, healthcare. Healthcare is the largest sector of the largest economy in the history of the world. It represents over one-seventh of the GDP in the United States. We do miracles every day with diagnosis and with treatment. Uh, Medicine-oriented treatment, procedure-oriented treatment, now moving into genetics, and our healthcare financing methods, I will not call them a financing system because it's not a system, uh, uh, are a disgrace. Um, And, you know, we had recent legislation uh, under the Obama administration. Where was the reporting that said, here's what we had Here's what the legislation is, and here's what it does now. And now I happen to have read that bill because that was my job at that mm-hmm. time. Um, and I've read all the other ones that went in there, too. But the way that we finance health care today is ridiculous. It's cruel. If you people say, well, I've got health care through my employment. Great. What happens if you get so sick you can't work? Oh, you lose your health care, too. Oh, what if you get so old that you don't work anymore? Now you're out of the risk pool. But we also have a solution for that as well. And we've and I've had experts from all I've all points on the political spectrum. Guess what? We all come together with the basic central design for that. Um, a a third one that I would uh, bring up to you today is the whole notion of uh, third party and primary voting. Um, we have covered voting systems, ranked choice voting. Uh, we've covered vote, uh, voting systems in other countries. Uh, we've had advocates and uh, uh, opponents of the Electoral College system. Uh, yesterday, I published a column uh, at our Substack page, the Common Bridge, that says, do you want to waste your vote or do you want your vote to count? Because now with 70% of Americans saying they don't like Joe Biden. They don't want Donald Trump to be president again, uh, but that's what we're getting served up. Mm. Not necessary. I, if you, you asked for three, I could give you 43 if and you I wish. Wanna, can, I want to tackle it. So you have a couple more minutes to hang Absolutely, out? Absolutely. Whatever right, you want. Because I, I want to tackle a couple of those things. And the third party one in particular, um, I, I, I'm interested in that because there is a, a groundswell underway, whether it's a certain party or RFK, whoever it is, somebody running it as independent. There is a there is a, a desire that maybe these two guys, Joe Biden and Donald Trump, aren't in. Is that is that disenfranchising your vote by voting third party, or are you making your voice heard? We'll get to it. Uh, hang tight. Uh, we'll, we'll take a break. Come back for more with Richard Halpy next on Jr. Afternoon. All right, Richard Halpy with us. Uh, a new feature that we're going to have here on the show. Three at three with Richard Halpy, and and you hit on three major topics: guns, healthcare. And third-party candidates. I, I want to go back to to gun violence here in the country, because I my view on where we are today is a little different than maybe some, and I I would have a hard time being able to argue this maybe in front of gun victims, because it's a it's a really sensitive topic, and I haven't been personally touched by thank thank God by this type of of violence. 
we need to we need a little bit of self-realization here. We need to look in the mirror and realize that something is very wrong. And it's not the Second Amendment. It's not people who have multiple guns. Um, there is there is something else at play here. And whether that's laws or or mental health issues, there's something much, much bigger at play. And I think that we need to look at now. Right. Because people say, well, back in the 70s, there was this never happened. Well, if you eat McDonald's every day, you're going to balloon to be a thousand pounds. And you don't say, well, geez, when I was 18, I was so skinny. Well, that doesn't matter now. Like you have to you we have to look at now. And right now we have a problem. And right now we need to address how we fix it from here, not how we how we addressed it in the 70s or in the 50s or in the 40s. We need to look at now. And I I think that if we have that really difficult conversation with ourselves and come to the come to the understanding that we have a problem, that's how we fix it. If we don't if we don't accept that there's an issue and we just keep saying, well, 30 years ago, we didn't have a problem. It's a cop out and nothing ever gets done. And we need to hold people to account. And whether that's politicians or or uh, gun dealers, we need to make sure everybody is doing their part to to stop something like this. And we need to harden soft soft targets. Well, you're a hundred percent right. You can't go backward. And one of the things that we do on the Common Bridge, it's about problem solving. Where are we today? How do we get to a better place? Uh, can we make it better? It, it may or may not be perfect, but can we make it better? When we talk about gun violence, we've had uh, recently Zoe Kennedy, Adam Coleman on talking about the underlying societal issues that make a violent response uh, uh, culturally acceptable. Um, We've had uh, Dr. Victor Hong, uh, Judge Milt Mack, um, and uh, Kevin Fisher from the National uh, Alliance for um, Mental Illness talking about everything going on in the mental health space. Guess what the formula is for destruction? It's the firearm in the hands of the wrong person. And that's the solvable problem that we need to deal with. Mm-hmm. And it, it's not that difficult. And, it's, and doing it inside the Second Amendment is not that difficult at all. Yeah. And, we've, and we have the proposal in front. And I ask everybody, people that are very strident of uh, unlimited possession of guns and people that don't want any. And I asked the question, would this be better, this graduated licensing? And 100% of the times go, yeah. Mm. Also, back-tested against the horrible tragedies would have prevented most of the shootings, would have prevented Uvalde, would have prevented Parkland, would have prevented Boulder, and, and would have prevented Oxford, and on and on. Had the graduated licensing program been in place, those things would not have happened. Is that a, a practice in other places in the world, other countries around the world? Yeah, not that I'm aware of. Mm. Um, Chris, I've been a problem solver my whole life. I Professionally, I worked as a guy writing computer program code. I built businesses. Uh, I've launched charities. And it was always the same thing. Where are we? Where are we trying to go? How do we get there? Let's engineer the solution. So that's what the Common Bridge is doing. And it's it's just about listening and being thoughtful versus the horrible place that we're in is you mentioned the victims of gun violence who benefits from the vic- from all the gun violence 
That's the bad actors. Right. And 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 it comes down to it's the two political parties. They both make hay. They both fundraise off of it. And it's this corrupted media that hands it to us with a very simple solution to say, hate somebody not like you. That's where we're at instead of solving the problem. All right. You talked about the two parties, and I want to move to third-party voting because there is, I, I believe, and, and I think different polls flesh this out, in particular the newest Siena poll. Donald Trump's got a lead on Joe Biden in this newest Siena poll. But if you take unnamed Republican or unnamed Democrat and put them up against the opposite party, that unnamed candidate wins. Yep. And that tells me that that the country is looking for an alternative to these two. And whether that comes in the in the form of somebody like Nikki Haley or somebody like Gavin Newsom remains to be seen. But is there value to a third party? It, it A third party feels almost insurmountable in terms of their ability to win. But do you think people are at that point where they just want somebody else? They want somebody more centrist, somebody more in the middle that is willing to take a much more moderate approach to a lot of important issues. Well, if someone's trying to scare you into voting for Joe Biden or scare you into voting for Donald Trump, don't do it. Uh, Someone that's trying to scare you to do something does not have your best interest at heart. Look, Joe Biden and Donald Trump are both political cowards. Joe Biden, they played hide the candidate. They're playing hide the president. They're set up now. No primaries, no debates. Donald Trump won't show up on a debate stage. All right. Yet they're leading in the polls. All right. How ridiculous is that? There are out of 330 million people. We have many other people that could do a great job. My sense the first major party that arrives with a sane candidate at the top of the ticket wins in a landslide. It, and whether it's one of the capable people coming from the Republican side uh, or whether the Democrats bring forward a person. I have a interview that's on my show right now with a fellow named Dean Phillips, mm-hmm. a three-term congressman from Minnesota, a kind of a Humphrey Republican mm-hmm. center-left guy, but with a business background, 54 years old. I mean, nobody's going to worry about this guy's going to die in office. Um, and he's trying to get on to the uh, Democratic ticket. And he's being shut out because, the, guess what? The Democrats are trying to limit ballot access. Yeah, I, I've had uh, Marion Williamson on the show uh, a couple of different times. She came into studio when she was in town. And while I don't often agree with her policies, um, I, I do believe keeping somebody like that off the ballot is is wrong. Absolutely. Um, do I believe she's going to garner a ton of votes? Nope. But that's not the point. Well, no, but see, one of the really important points you make is, uh, well, they can't win. And I'm saying, well, let's stop for a moment. Have you ever heard a candidate say in their acceptance speech, I stand before you as the lesser of evils? No, they never say that. They say, I've got a mandate. Yeah. And if, if you give your vote to that lesser of evil, you're they're not getting the message. They're getting the message that you're endorsing them. Uh, how many times have we heard uh, Donald Trump say, I got more votes than any mm-hmm. incumbent president and Joe Biden saying, I got 70 million votes. Did they were those how many of those votes were not Trump or not Biden? So. There, no one's ever going to say I was the lesser of evil. So quit giving them that, and let's make a choice. And so what if your guy loses? Um, 
that you've at least made your voice heard. You've you said something, and believe me, they will pay attention. They will go through all those voting uh, results with a fine tooth comb and figure out what they got and what they didn't get. And if you give it to them, they got you. How do they get you? We're going to scare you. You can't win. Quit listening to those people that keep giving us these terrible candidates and keep the, uh, that keep behaving like this. If you like that, then go ahead. But 70% of Americans don't. Well, and I think it's important to give people the, their, the, the ability to vote for a candidate that they want to vote for. And if that's Marion Williamson, if that's RFK Jr., God bless. That's your vote. And I, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't uh, subscribe to the fact of not putting people on ballots. I think that's wrong. Absolutely. Uh, the, the, the podcast is the Common Bridge. It's on Substack. Lots of material there. Richard Halpy, it's good to see you. I see you. Happy you, Chris. holidays. Merry and, Christmas. And we'll look forward to doing this again next month. I look forward to it, Chris. All right, Thanks it's Richard Halpy. Uh, Got to take a break. More next on JR Afternoon. All right, welcome back. Big football game tonight. Saints Rams. Yeah, it, it, look, it is a big game. Um, and while while most Lions fans maybe won't be paying attention, I just want to say, who dat? They should be. Who dat? There's big ramifications here. Yes, sir. In uh, terms of in terms of who wins this game, Lions playoffs, potentially who they who their opponent is. Well, one of the opponents. Let's put our cards on the table here, lad. Uh, could be number nine, uh, Matthew Stafford, and those. Los Angeles Rams. Uh, let me just t- uh, say this. Uh, our By the convers- way, this is Steve Courtney. Hi, Steve. Hello, everyone. I just want to introduce Merry you. Christmas. <laughs> Pleasure meeting you. I've heard so much about you. Uh, this conversation brought to you by the hardworking men and women at Bill Brown Ford. Forward down the field. Yes, indeed. The W's have been stacking up. The winged wheelers. Well, they're in kind of a tailspin right now. Plenty of hockey to go. My good friend Matt Garko and his team are stacking wins each and every day. Drive with the champions at Bill Brown Ford. Shop their True View inventory at BillBrownFord.com today. Uh, yeah, Thursday night football. Uh, huge ramifications as far as the National Football League's postseason is concerned. Uh, you've got Matthew Stafford and the Los Angeles Rams playing host to the New Orleans Saints. First things first. Uh, the Lions will officially clinch a playoff spot if the Rams lose. But know, the, uh, know this. Either way, whoever wins this tilt tonight has an increased chance of playing in Detroit for the first round. Uh, now you know this. The Lions are one win away from locking up the NFC North. First time in 30 years. Uh, if they win any of their final three games, the Lions, that is, they will guarantee either the number two or number three seed, assuming, of course, the 49ers don't lose twice. Now, as the number two or number three seed, the Lions would host the number six or number seven seed in the first round of the postseason. Well, as it turns out, as fate would have it, those are the only possible playoff spots for the Rams. The plot thickens right now. The Rams sit in a four-way tie for the six through nine spots on the NFC. They're tied with the Vikings, Saints, and Seahawks at seven and seven. New Orleans is in kind of a crazy position because while it fights for a wild card spot, it is also tied with the Buccaneers atop the NFC South. Scratch that, the woeful NFC South. 
Uh, the Buccaneers hold a tiebreaker, but the number four seed is still very much an option for the Saints. Uh, next week, by the way, the Rams hit the road to face the five and nine Giants, and then they'll finish the season in San Francisco to face the number one team in the conference. All right, Kenny Brown joins us too. How uh, about that? I have been asking my audience to open their hearts. Give love a chance. Give this team your heart. Shed the shackles of Lions teams of decades past. Don't let them hurt you again. If Matthew Stafford comes here Dude, and how about beats that for this a team plot? in the playoffs, I would lose it. That would be unbelievable. Could you imagine? But uh, the scenario... Maybe. Maybe he would throw Could be reality. Maybe he'd throw the game. Maybe he would just miss Cooper Cup 14 times a game. It'd be great. In that scenario, I think Cooper Cup's name would be mentioned quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Oh. Can so this is a big game I tonight. I have no fear of any team coming in a four field. But Period. I'm just talking about the dynamic, dude. I'm just talking about this, this trade, which, by the way, has been a win-win for the Lions and Rams oh, thus far. Well, sure. the win for the Rams. Not to be determined yet for the Lions. It's but, a win for the Lions. Uh, well, the with win? the draft picks, bro. Shut up. Where's the win? Uh, I don't know. From a draft pick There's scenario. There's a trophy in L.A. That's the win. Uh, is Sam Laporta a win? No, we're not talking about if they got good players. That's not the question. The question is, they made the trade to win the Super Bowl. They they had a decent quarterback. They wanted a better quarterback. Yeah, they got they a better won, quarterback. They won the Super Bowl. Yeah. They won. And then they Lions were... have not won a playoff game yet. The win will come. When they do something in the playoffs, then you get your win. You haven't got your win yet. They're just treating, you know, draft picks like Tic Tacs. Draft picks don't mean nothing if they don't do nothing for look, you, the team. Okay, well, when Matthew Stafford But look at the success on, they're luck. having this year because of the personnel that Brad Holmes was allowed to bring aboard because of those Joe picks. Joe Ferrier, remember him? He was a one-year wonder, too. I'm just saying, I'm not saying it might not happen, but I'm saying they haven't got their win yet. All right, but I'm just saying, if the Lions host... Stafford and the Rams in the first round. This state, oh, Lions Nation, be... no matter where you are, be completely sideways, bro. It's madness. What about those people that wore, like, the Lions uh, or Detroit the, Ram, the, the Detroit Ram, Ram shirts? Detroit it was silly. Ram. Whatever it is. I don't, it doesn't yeah, matter. It's stupid. It was silly. Hopefully you leave them in the dresser. Are people going to look at Because there were people apparently saying uh, when, Matt, when, they, when they won the Super Bowl, Matthew Stafford with the Rams, that this was our Super Bowl, too. Well, they were just, look, they were reaching. It was the pandemic then. You could say a bunch of anything. Now. Oh, it was oh. a bunch of stuff going on oh. that time. We that, just erased that, that bad, time. Yeah, you just erased that whole time. Okay, fair enough. Hey, hey, it didn't listen happen. to me. Listen it to me. I said, listen to me. I was just reading on Bleacher Report. Uh, Lions OC Ben Johnson uh, dabbled with uh, potentially becoming a head coach at the NFL level a year ago, interviewing mm-hmm. with the uh, Houston Texans and Indianapolis Colts. Decided he wanted to remain with the good things going on in Detroit. Just read a report on Bleacher Report. CBS Sports is reporting that uh, his camp is letting various teams know he is going to be looking for $15 million a year. No way. To be a head coach. His agent put out a tweet uh, about a half an hour ago that said that that's not true. This is Justine Anderson from CBS Sports, who has been known to... Embellish? Well, not embellish, but put a few things that were questionable. So. Yeah, I would say that's that's false. That cannot be. Because if that was true... You could easily make the argument that Ben Johnson, realizing there's no NFL team interested in paying him $15 million a year, and he'd say, okay, well, I'll just stay in Detroit. Now, I will say, I, I don't know that I'm kind of with Kenny. I don't know that I fear anybody coming in here. 
uh, save for like San Francisco. Like that would uh, would be a tough game. Yeah, but even here coming. they're not coming. But they're not coming, they're here, not coming here either. So it's like I uh, I feel pretty good about where this team is at. If you're in that house, if you're in that building, um, I feel pretty good. Can we get Lions the win? Can we catch it on Sunday and get the win first? Because yeah, oh yeah, you know, sure. Strange things happen. Well, it's Thursday today, so now we're concentrating on this. Yeah. You lose three in a row, and they don't make the playoffs or a wild card. Then this whole time, uh, we used to, well, let me just so say, get, get your win Sunday first. Three in a row. How huge is it that C.J. Gardner Johnson is back on the practice yeah, big, field? Big, huh? yeah, enormous. Big. big. I mean, not only from an on the field standpoint, just like that that vibe back in the room. There's a swagger there. He's the emotional pulse of that team. Yeah, the spark it. plug, if you will. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do we got coming up? Uh, we're going to talk about Ken Calvert, of course. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do. God something. rest his soul. Yes. No, a wonderful man. Earl Kirk Curitan will be on. He has a book. We're going to talk to him. We're going to do some movies. And we're going to talk about the Harvard president's plagiarism. All right, real quick. Uh, can I ask you do I wrap a present the wrong way? I tape to the present and then wrap around that. And then I, I probably use three, uh, four, maybe. Eight pieces of tape? Too much? And that's for the corners, too? The eight pieces? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. too much. You should Asking the wrong dude. I have side, no idea. One for each corner, one on the top. There should be three pieces of tape. Three pieces? Yeah, three pieces. Oh, you, you just don't care about presentation. That's terrible. <laughs> that's Bush League is what that is. It is Bush League. That's terrible. Just put it in a gift bag and be done with it. Mitch Allen and the crew coming up next. <laughs> put it in a Kroger bag. See you tomorrow. <laughs>